Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday from Sunny Slope, which isn't so sunny just yet, but the sun's on its way up, so we'll have some sun here in Sunny Slope before we know it. Sounds like our forecast, maybe not tomorrow, though. Anyway, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music. Give her a call. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. And we can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. If you have something fun, different to grow, we'd love to hear from you. Lots of styles, lots of ways to grow things. And so we're all here, all ears, all ready to learn. And uh, we've got a lot of experience between us. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's uh, someone out there who's grown just about everything we can think of over time. Anyway, this is a perfect time to get out and sample the citrus around the valley. It's getting cool enough. Now, a lot of things like navel oranges, if you had a lot of rain, if you had an inch and a half or two inches of rain, they'll be better if the, if the soil gets dry. So make sure that you, you shut off the water on your navels. On the other hand, it looks like we might have a freeze. So make sure you do water your lemons so they don't freeze as much. Oh, it's kind of the, the season. But uh, lemons and limes are more frost tender. Navels, grapefruits, those kind of things. Unless you're in a really cold area, you should be okay. Uh, we could talk about whatever you want when it comes to the holiday season. You know, it's poinsettia Christmas tree season now. We have uh, a lot of fun things happening around the nurseries with Christmas trees. We could talk about uh, rose season coming up. You know, for right now, if you keep your roses kind of happy, you might even hit them with a little shot of foliar fertilizer. Um, keep those blooms on through New Year's. There's no reason not to. And then cut them back, you know. But it's uh, it's been a good rose season this fall. And uh, as long as you fertilize them, you're probably getting some pretty good blooms about now. Well, you start off the program, folks, whatever way you want to go. You know, we've got uh, a fair bit of experience doing some stuff here around the valley for the last 40 years, but, uh, well, a little longer than 40 now. But anyway, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun growing up here in Sunny Slope and growing plants here in the valley. You know what's so fun about uh, our landscaping in the desert is that we have this truly subtropical climate. So we see lots of plants from all over the world. We have our beautiful Sonoran natives, things that you don't see anywhere else, like the ironwood trees. And we have beautiful saguaros and acatillos and some of our different hedgehogs, which uh, you just won't find anywhere else in the planet. And uh, beautiful varieties and cultivars that are just from here. But then we can mix those with varieties that come from the, the deserts and similar climates throughout the world, places like Australia and South Africa, South America. So we get quite a mix going on. And then we hybridize and grow things. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of breeding done here with, you know, different varieties of bougainvilleas and, and especially different varieties like the yellow bells now, which are popular in the sages. So we've come up with new cultivars here by, by breeding. And roses, you know, believe it or not, we're the largest rose-growing state in the country, and if you don't uh, believe me, just drive down that new northern parkway out there. You can see uh, literally hundreds of acres of roses, all happy in the way they grow. Anyway, three lines still open. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Take our first caller this morning, Jim in Central Phoenix. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. 
Yes, sir. I was wondering, I, I asked before a long time ago, and I forgot. Uh, I want to trim my pomegranates to get fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the neighbor trimmed his before, and in, in the back side of my house, the fence, mm-hmm. he put a new fence in, so he had the guy, they had to trim the pomegranates on that side. And I got super pomegranates. But I don't know how to trim them to get the same result. Well, Jim, it's pretty simple with pomegranates. And you can do it right now or you can wait till next month, either one. And um, But this is the time somewhere here in the winter to prune them. You want to prune them up with a vase shape so that they're narrow at the hip and wider at the shoulder. You can leave one trunk or you can have four or five trunks depending on how your plant is. But you want to thin out most of those little suckers and shoots that are coming from the ground. Just to leave that main cluster coming up, kind of a shape, and then how tall is your pomegranate, Jim? Oh, they're about twelve, fourteen feet tall now. So just knock about three feet off the top, cut them back to about eight, eight or nine feet, and that's going to make it a le- lot easier for your harvest of fruit. But if you'll reduce the amount of canes coming up, take the top off it down to about eight or nine feet, you'll have larger, better quality pomegranates. Okay, I have another question about them. Uh, now, because I let them go for years, they were just not a problem. But I want to get pomegranates now. I've learned how to eat them. I never ate them before. I would <laughs> give them away. And uh, But they got, like in my yard, my side, they got real big. I mean, they're about four feet bigger than what they were. Mm-hmm. Should I just go along and hack that all yeah, off? Yeah, that's all what we're talking about, growth? taking that whole top off. Okay, if you want to get big, high-quality pomegranates, we're going to thin them at the bottom, leave four or five canes coming up, take the top off down to about eight or nine feet, okay, and thin, thin the whole rest of the plant up through the middle. And then a couple of things that are important for pomegranates, Jim, is come, you know, June, whenever we have the real high temperatures, make sure your irrigation is consistent because you don't want the fruit oh, got, to stop growing. I got growing flood irrigation. Well, you still might have to add some extra water in June. Oh, okay. What happens okay. sometimes if we have a really hot June, you know, that's when we have the longest days of the year, it can be 120. Uh, that's the time of year that the fruit will stop growing, and then we'll get more monsoon or nicer weather along in August, and it'll grow again, and it'll split. And those little splits in the bottom invite bugs into them, and it will ruin your fruit. So make sure the water's good in June. Even with your flood irrigation, you might add an extra couple waterings in June. And then in September, make sure you bag your fruit. So you put a paper bag or a, one of these metal bags over the fruit to keep the bugs and the birds and all those things away. Okay. Uh, what was I going to say now? I have one other question. Um, damn it. <laughs> well, hey, Jim, we're early. It's only 712. You can call back for the next hour and 45 minutes. Okay. I may try that. Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. And have a nice morning. Bye-bye. Uh, Kelly and Chandler. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, I have a question. I have uh, a Lisbon lemon, and do I trim it the same way that you were telling that previous gentleman about? No, it's quite different, actually. On on a Lisbon lemon, what we want to do is we want to reduce their size down from the top and from the sides, but we want to make sure that we leave, you know, good foliage around down lower to protect the wood from the sun burning. 
Okay. So Lisbon lemons, uh-huh. this time of year, you know, unless it's breaking branches, just enjoy the fruit. And then about uh-huh. the middle of February, you can reduce uh-huh. the size down and you can cut it back as, as short as you like from the top, especially if you're cutting it in February. But you want to leave the branches down low enough around the side so that they shade the trunk and protect it from the sun. And uh, we we grow a lot of Lisbon lemons commercially, you know, and so we have a topping machine that goes in there. We actually mow the tops like a lawnmower and we'll take the sides back one year and the tops back the next year. But you can really greatly reduce the size of a Lisbon lemon and it'll make the tree a lot easier to harvest and the fruit better quality. Okay. And then also um, I called a while ago about the rootstock was growing up out of the middle and it kind of looked like an alien because the leaves uh-huh. were different. And so you had me cut that off, but, and I did is down, should, should I go down further because it grew back again and it's just, well, yeah, like you should there. cut that all the way to where it comes off the wood in the trunk and you should leave a little stub where it's, you know, maybe out past, you know, do you want to cut it back into the other branch, but all the way back right. to where it comes off flush and then seal it up with that black tar type tree hill if it's a pretty big one and uh, that okay. should help it not to re- regenerate. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Jim and Phoenix. After Jim, we've got four open lines. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. One little Christmas tree was standing alone Waiting for someone to come by One little Christmas tree that never had grown Cried as he looked up to the sky Oh please, Mr. Father Tree, the tallest of all I'm so afraid and so alone Could one little Christmas tree, so tiny and small, light up someone's home? Cause one little Christmas tree can light up a home, so one little child can find a toy. One little Christmas tree can light up a home, so one little heart can find some joy. One little angel who was riding star Cried as she looked down at the tree Oh please, Mr. Father Tree, wherever you are May I give him the star you gave to me Then in the heavens came a voice from afar A voice that was heard throughout the world
Troy Barrett's Christmas song of the day. <laughs> they got to give him credit for, well, Stevie Wonder credit first. But, but Troy's the one that picked it up. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have four lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Uh, Jim in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, I'm back. Oh, it's our same Jim. Hi, my, Jim. <laughs> hi, I, I'm the pomegranate guy. Yes, sir. Uh, I, re- I remembered my question. Now, my pomegranates are old pomegranates. They're from the 1940s, mm-hmm. at least. And the base is like two feet, not the thickness of it, but just the growth that grew up around it, all the shoots. Uh-huh. They're like two feet around. Yeah, so what you really want to do, Jim, is you really want to go through and really prune those out and thin those out. You know, pomegranates can live a very long time. And uh, you're not over off of 40th Street in Camelback, are you? No, 24th Street and uh, Thomas. Okay. But there are some very old groups of pomegranates, especially some that were planted along ditch banks here in the valley, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And they can live for a long time and be very healthy, very useful, nice plants. But if you'll thin that thing out, take off most of the stalks on the bottom, and just leave the few biggest ones and then reduce its size, you'll get a lot bigger, nicer pomegranates. And the fact that it's old doesn't make it, you know, it's going to probably have better quality fruit. Oh, good. I'm glad you told me that. Uh, yeah, I forgot my question, and now I remembered. As soon as I hung up, I was like, oh, geez. Well, Jim, you, you don't have a patent on those kind of things. You know, I think that happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's called old people. <laughs> well, even young people. Young people, you know what they do? They remember in one question, but before they get to the answer, they ask it. They forgot that one and ask a different one. So, you know, that's all yeah. fun as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you. your help. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye, Jim. You do the same. Bye-bye. Well, we've got wide open phones, perfect time to call, and a beautiful morning out there. I mean, the, the sky over here at Sunny Slope is starting to lighten up. You can see the mountains silhouetted. I mean, they're not really aglow with the, the sunshine yet. But uh, So I guess we can't call it Sunny Slope until the sun comes up. You know, before that, it's it's, you know. Just the nice little mountains. Anyway, welcome back to Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have several lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We have Shira here on phones and music. Uh, give her a call. Put her to work. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, uh, whatever you're thinking. There's lots of different things to do, lots of styles, uh, lots of religions, lots of different ideas. You know, we're in the holiday season and we have, you know, several different holiday, you know, traditions for different religions here. Of course, you know, as Christians have, you know, we, we have Christmas and then uh, we have Hanukkah out there and then we've got a couple that were just kind of invented just to have Kwanzaa and stuff, just to have something kind of fun. and uh, But we have a lot of other, uh, you know, very sacred times. My Buddhist friend, I can remember when Michiaki Ozaki came home for Christmas. And uh, at the U of A, we didn't have bass. So he, he makes it home. He's got long hair and a big beard. And he's at our house for Christmas. And he goes in the shower, you know. 
being in there in the shower. He's, he's gone for four hours, you know, but it's coming to be New Year's, which is a, a huge holiday, you know, for Buddhist people. And, uh, he comes out, he's shaved, he's clean. He's a whole new man. But, uh, and the first time he had, had a, a big full size bathtub in about four months. So Michiaki Osaki had a, had a wonderful time getting ready for New Year's. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Bob and Tempe after Bob open lines. The number to call 602-277-5827. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, this might be a simple question, but tell me, I was at your southern store yesterday and purchased my uh, Fraser fir Christmas mm-hmm. tree. And I uh, and anybody who hasn't gotten the tree yet really had to go to one of your stores. There's a great selection. Uh, but enough for the shout out. My question, we made a fresh cut and I was told to put it in warm water when I got home. Uh, I obviously it helped protect the cut or something. Do I need to keep putting, would it do any good to continue to put warm water into the bucket that I have or does it not matter? No, it's once it's room temperature, it's going to be fine, Bob. The, the key is you just keep it filled up. You know, a, right. a Fraser Furs medium density tree. But we would expect like a seven to eight foot Fraser to drink a gallon and a half the first day and continue right. drinking every day. So the most important thing is that you check it and it keeps drinking. And if you forget, like many of us do, uh, what you can do is you can take a little battery powered drill and drill holes through the cambium layer. That's the thin bark on the outside of the tree. And if you uh-huh. go around and drill some holes back in there underneath the water level, it'll take up water again. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just keep checking it every every day rather than worrying about my drill. <laughs> well, it's easier, but, and, you know, those things do happen, Bob. They, they, uh, it does happen. They certainly okay, happen well, around you. our house. <laughs> right. well, yeah, well, I know. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Bye Bob. Now. Appreciate the business. Bye-bye. Uh, Terry in Scottsdale. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. My question is, uh, we've been water conscious of not put the irrigation system on our grass since, uh, since late summer. We're going to convert to desert scape. Can you give me a suggestion of some plants that we should consider putting in that desert scape area where grass was? Well, you're, you know, you're probably not going to have a solid ground cover like the grass was before anyway. So Correct. what I would do is take the time to drive around a little bit. And if you're if you're just curious, don't even know what things are. You know, it's so wonderful with these mobile phones now. You can just take photos. But there's a plethora of plants that love the desert here from, you know, lantana is one of the most common to all the sages and the emu bushes. And, you know, and then you could come in with some larger things to add some more shade. There's, you know, some of the yellow bells. And, and some of the bird of paradise are really easy to mix in. And, you know, if you like cactus and that sort of thing, I mean, an acatillo is one of the, you know, most marvelous plants in the world that's native right here in our Sonoran Desert. Okay. Um, so there's no... Yeah, I guess, well, <laughs> I guess the question is, we don't know where to start, but you're saying just Well, this, I'll tell you where to start is just, just bring a picture if you want to, like in the, your home into the nursery. You know, you can bring in some photos. And actually, it's easy now with Google Earth. So if you have just a regular little 8.5 by 11 printer, just zoom into your house on Google Earth and print out a copy of it. Or another website that we use a lot is the Maricopa County Recorders website. And that's a pretty easy one to get a nice visual. But just bring a couple photos in and uh, bring in the visual overhead. We can show you all different kinds of things that work. And what's nice about coming to the nursery is you can touch them and feel them and see what they're really going to do. Okay, great. That's what we're going to do. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Uh, Craig and Tolleson. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. How are you, Brian? Wonderful. And you? Good. Hey, um, question. Your thoughts on exporting trees from like a Flagstaff type tree grower up into eastern Idaho. I have property up there and the tree farms up there, everything is scarce. And I'm, I travel back and forth quite a bit, so transporting the trees would not be a huge issue. Is that a negative? No, Craig, it's not. Just the time of year when you do it. You know, it's amazing that we really see it with the Christmas tree season this time of year. But I was up in White River last week, um, you know, with the White Mountain Apache tribe, and we were able to get some Christmas trees through a League of Veterans with them. And you go up there and you see the seed source trees here. But here in Arizona, the cork bark fir, the blue spruce, you know, a lot of these cultivars come from only Arizona, and these trees are grown throughout the world. Um, However, there's not a lot of big growers here in the state that grow a lot of the conifers like that. You would probably find more trees available in Oregon or maybe even in Colorado. But, um, you know, we've got some great nurseries here. Most of the nurseries here do bring the trees in from other states, though. Yeah, I was just um, want to get something going up there. Um, the the tree farms up there are minimal. They don't have much in stock, and they're all super small. I just was looking for a, a second option to mm-hmm. import some trees from here to there. Well, you could do that. There's not a lot of large trees here in Arizona. Most of our larger trees here in Arizona come from Colorado and Oregon. Okay. So if you'd want, Colorado's you know, on the way to Idaho. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I mean, there are some, you know, and the, the time to plant those is going to be in the, you know, the, the early spring, but mindful of a, you know, mountain spring. So like in April or May. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Good information. Colorado's a spot. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Bye bye. Uh, Mark and Chandler. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning. I think I wasted one of my three oranges. Um, I think it's a perfect. <laughs> I think it's a Caracara. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got three oranges this year, which I know is how it starts. Um, it looked nice. I picked it. It was hard and not very flavorful. Did I just pick it too early? You did. You know, and I'm surprised it was still hard, though, with much rain as we've had. It probably was fairly juicy. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. So anyway, you know, there's, you got two more shots, but uh, okay. they, typically it's to dry them out. Now, if they were on the outside of the tree and they got sunburned, that they might be hard anyway. They might not be as good this year. But, um, you know, if, that, if that's the case, you probably just want to, uh, you know, give them a try. But typically what we want our navels to do is be a little on the drier side. And uh, and pick them then. So I'd give it a couple of weeks. I'd try the next one maybe on Christmas. What do you say? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mark. You have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. Thank you, you too. Bye bye. <laughs> oh, let's see. So next we have Jane. We've got. Uh, well, it looks like our friend Jane's on the phone. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Brian. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you as well. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, it's it, it must be different, Jane, for somebody who spent her entire life since she was. Uh, how old were you when you started working at the lot? Oh golly, you know, my mom packed us off to help my dad. I don't know. I was probably in 
second grade. <laughs> we were a lot of help. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you were. You're, you know, your your father was so fun. I remember the first time I really met your father was over at 24th Street in Camelback, and mm-hmm. uh, he was just a joy to be around. You know, he he was a real <laughs> farmer and uh, just a real Arizonan too. You know, people that he was he wasn't shy. He wasn't afraid to get out and do things. No, he had he had a lot of fun doing everything, and especially with the Christmas trees. But it always seemed like there was, he wasn't shy. You know, if it wasn't Christmas trees, it was another crop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yep. Jane, I'll tell you, we've yep. got to do a hard break here with the news. Can you hang on with us? Can we talk more after the news? Absol- absolutely. Do I get to hear the news? <laughs> you can hear the news. Yes, we have Troy Barrett here. He's a Troy Barrett's going to tell right. us what's happening, and then we'll be back with Jane Mitchell with the Whitfield Nursery Garden <laughs> Show. <laughs> the, the number right. to call in the meantime, if you're going to be up after Jane, will probably be a few minutes, is 602-277-5827. And, you know, and I have to mention, we have the lovely Shira here, too, that does all the phones and music and all that good stuff. We'll be right back after the news. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen But do you recall The most famous reindeer of all Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Then one we've got Jane in the line, so Gene, I'm sorry, but you know, Gene Autry's been a great Arizona forever, wrote that song, and uh, the wagon wheels, I think, are still behind Channel 10. They used to be whenever I used to do the morning show with them down there. But anyway, uh, back to Jane. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Brian. I I, I love to hear Gene Autry. <laughs> well, I gotta play Gene Autry, you know, that's, and that's yeah, his, yeah. his number one song, but... Mm-hmm. You probably met Gene a time or two. <laughs> yeah, you're so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, he was around here forever in the studio. He was. He was. I, I think we went somewhere and got his signature when we were little kids. And got an <laughs> autograph from him. Yeah, he was quite a guy. Well, you know, yeah. we're we're back in the throes of uh, Christmas tree season once more, and uh, mm-hmm. and we haven't yep. seen you at the lot yet, Jane. Talked a few times. Uh, yes, I, I think I'll get I'll get down there today because I have to I have to get a Christmas tree. It's, it's it would be way too confusing not to. So, mm-hmm. j- just out of curiosity, what kind are you looking for? You know i I heard that you have some trees that came from the White Mountain Apache Nation. Oh, we do, and I. I want to see those trees. Tell me about those trees. That was pretty wonderful. Uh, 
my friend John from the League of Veterans, Big John, I was talking to him about it snowing up in Northern California. And I'm sure you've experienced in the past, we have a lot of customers that like silver tips. And one day it was 67 degrees. The next week there was a foot of snow, then two and then four. And so those trees are there for next year. We'll have a nice crop out of there next year. But I was talking to my friend, uh, Big John, and, and he works with the League of Veterans, really a nice person, helps with the housing and different things with veterans here. And I was saying, I was wondering, John, you know, if you've been up to White River, I said, you know, the White Mountain Apaches, they got to have some beautiful trees in that hill. And I, and I hadn't been on the hill for years, you know. And I know I'd talked to you earlier about cork bars, for, you know, growing in high elevation. So they were able to work a deal with the BIA and the tribe, and especially uh, Jonathan, who uh, is at the tribe who runs their forestry division. A wonderful young man. And, uh, yep. and we only call him young. He's in his 40s. He's not young, but he's young to me. <laughs> I call him young. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Jonathan, we were able to uh, get a permit and go up there, and then the, the, the veterans group. Uh, and we, we brought some southern Apaches and mixed them with some uh, White Rivers, too. So, and, and everybody got along well, and they, they harvested some trees, and it was a veterans group of, of uh, Native Americans. And we were able to, my cousin and Joe and I, drive around all day up around Holly Lake, a lot of areas that were closed for the day because we had a special permission from the tribe. And it was it was probably the most special day of my life. And uh, the trees that we found, um, you know, there's. I think that we're going to try and work with a you know, the tribe up there in future years because they can grow beautiful Christmas trees. But we were able to bring they down can. some white firs and some blue spruce and a few cork barks all kind of mixed in. And um, so it's kind of fun. And, you know, we can grow so many beautiful natural varieties here in Arizona. And, you know, so many of the Christmas trees throughout the world come from Arizona seed sources. They do. That lots of them, it's a, it was amazing to me growing up finding out which where seed sources came from for Christmas tree farms. And I think it, it will be a really great thing for the Apache Nation to be tree farmers in Arizona. Well, they kind of already are with all their forestry, but all they have to do is clear some patches, thin some trees, and a little fertilizer, and, uh, you know, they mm-hmm. could be, uh, you know, a worldwide tree supplier. It's, it's a lot yep. easier. Jane, did you ever plant any any trees here in Arizona? You know, my dad did in the 50s <laughs> up in Chino Valley. And <laughs> How did he do with those? <laughs> well, he had covered um, beds to put the little seedlings in, and it was just way too hot for a few years. And those little seedlings, very few of them made it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we tried some in Taylor a couple years ago, but... Yeah, I think we planted 40,000, and the elk came in and ate most of them, <laughs> and the gophers yep, have finished they're... them off now, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, I the think it's far better for the, you know, the White Mountain Apache tribe to grow trees up there where they've got, you know, <laughs> tens of millions of them, and the elk aren't going to just come eat one little patch. <laughs> yep, yep, just one patch to graze on the tops of. Well, we're yep. having a I lot of fun with trees this year. We didn't. We you did. have you have a 
how many species of trees do you have? Well, this year what we have now, we've got the, the three from up north, the three native varieties. And um, mm-hmm. then we have, of course, nobles, which are probably the most popular these days. And some grand firs, which are quite beautiful, uh, along with dugs. And, and those are ones we just harvest this week. We don't bring those in earlier. We've learned from friends yeah. like Jane Mitchell and our own experience that, uh, you know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't benefit anyone to bring a Douglas fir in at Thanksgiving. It's just not going to make New Year's, and if they can't make epiphany, we really don't want to sell them. So yeah. we, we have beautiful grands, though, and uh, Doug's that came in. And we have some mm-hmm. nice uh, Frasers. We have some from North Carolina and some from the Northwest. And uh, then the Nordmans are Turkish furs. Nobody can decide what they want to call them. But uh, we've got some nice ones of those. <laughs> they're, they're two different things, actually. I had to find that out from uh, Kathy from Brooks Nursery up there. There are Turkish fur and there are Nordman fur, <laughs> and they're different. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw them growing, you could definitely tell them apart. Well, I'm not sure. So I, these, these are these are supposed to be Nordmans, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, from the same growers, I've got trees that were supposed to be Turkish, and they sure look a lot alike. <laughs> I think, yeah, they mix. They get the seeds mixed. (laughs) They do look a lot alike. I I think these probably are Nordmans. I think the Turkish was a younger generation. But, um, Mm -hmm. and then we were fortunate enough because we needed big trees and our silver trips were all snowed in to uh, have someone, our our wreath grower, uh, actually cut us some big trees off of their wreath farm. So we had some taller trees. That was, it was kind of kind. You know, it's, it's such a fun industry. Yep, it's it's a lot of old families mm-hmm. that have been growing Christmas trees for a long time, several generations. <laughs> well, and you probably you know we deal with the hunters and Murphys up there, and then actually you you helped us with uh, our Douglas firs this year, you know, and that was fun, and those were yeah. really nice. <laughs> and and Pranzini actually cut the trees, I think, on Sunday too, which is ideal, you know. We're, yeah, all, we're he, always leery when we deal with somebody new, but when they come from a referral with somebody like Jane Mitchell, we're not so leery. <laughs> no, you, your referrals a mean a guy. lot, Jane. <laughs> oh, he he retails trees and grows trees, so he has he has a good grip on what needs to happen. Well, we were very impressed with the quality of the Douglas firs. You know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's nice because it gives us a tree we can, you know, break a whole different price category with, you know, and that way people can come out and buy a nice tree for 60 or $70. And, yep. you know, some of the other varieties take so much longer to grow, they just cost more. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand farming anymore. <laughs> it used to be there were many more people that had family members involved in farming and that's what growing Christmas trees really is, is farming. It's They're like slow corn. <laughs> Real slow. You know, <laughs> Real I, slow I, I think that's yes. why, Jane, I think that's why our suppliers have always liked dealing with uh, the Mitchell family with us is because, you know, we have our crop failures, too. <laughs> we have our own experiences. <laughs> Sadly, we can't we can't control the the weather. No. <laughs> Some years are more conducive to growing things than others. So I was looking at a photo the other day of our nursery on Glendale Avenue, and back then it was mostly all citrus, and this is from 1958. And I noticed all that there was there. a Mitchell Christmas tree lot right there on the corner. 
on 7th Street uh, in Glendale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right where the Delhi Bank went in. So what, yeah. what year did your father start uh, with the Christmas trees? 1950. So, so, yeah, so that was 58. So that would be eight years later. That, that's when that lot was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the lot at 7th Avenue in Osborne and 7th Street in Glendale. And I think he just had two or maybe three lots in the 50s. I'd have to check with my sisters and see for sure. But, yeah, in, in, the, in the 60s, he started doing more. And in the 70s, a lot more. And in the <laughs> 80s, way too many. <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can remember with a time between us, we had 40-plus lots in the valley. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun, you know, and it was just a different time. And uh, it was fun yeah. whenever a lot would be so busy, you'd back a truck into it with Douglas Furs, and by the end of the afternoon, the truck was empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember probably... Oh, I don't know. Probably 1959 or maybe or maybe 60. There were no trees in the valley because it snowed in northern Arizona and it was snowing everywhere. And and we had a semi load of trees that came in at 7th Avenue in Osborne and there were literally 80 cars or more parked there waiting to get Christmas trees right as they came off the truck. <laughs> well, it's... I was awestruck. <laughs> <laughs> Your father was probably happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yep. Jane, come out and see us this afternoon. Thanks, thanks for calling. You know, you're, you're a dear friend. And, and thanks for the help with finding the Douglas Firs this year. And uh, well, some, some year we're going to have to go Christmas tree shopping to some of the growers together. Yes, absolutely. We have to do a trip to the Northwest. All right. And, and to the North, to the White Mountain area, too. That well, we're, we're really looking forward to it, you know, and it was it was so yeah. nice of them because they basically, the tribe, in effect, made a donation uh, to the mm-hmm. veterans. And uh, that was really special. And um, it's just, they have such a beautiful forest. You know, yeah. my cousin Joe and I were up there for a day uh, with the forest basically closed and uh, being in that high country and driving around and, you know, clear air and it was not windy. It was probably 40 degrees. You know, it was heavenly it was a place, place to uh, really celebrate life. <laughs> yep. Well, Jane, thanks. Right, and well, uh, we'll see you this afternoon. Thanks, Brian. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. And we'll be right back after a short break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we've got four lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Paul, you'll be up next with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Oh, 
Welcome back, folks. Beautiful morning out there, and there is sun in Sunny Slope. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. Now, we've tried growing the Christmas trees. Eh, we're not very good at that, but we do a fine job growing all kinds of palm trees, citrus trees, beautiful shade trees. And if you're looking for a great holiday gift, come out and see us. We can deliver and plant, and we're licensed, bonded, and insured. There's no job too big, none too small. If you want to give uh, someone a special citrus tree, we have lots of citrus with fruit all over them that uh, you can plant and pick this season. Uh, we also have beautiful shade trees like ash elms and pistachios. We have wonderful date palms. They're one of Arizona's largest growers of date palms. And we have uh, a lot of other ornamental palms as well. We have Mexican fans, California fans, tropical-looking mules. If you recognize that that was a Jerry Jeff song from Belize, you know, you, mule palms look like the coconuts if you've ever been to Malise. But uh, anyway, a lot of fun plants to grow. We deliver plant guarantee and we have to tell you about the Christmas trees. So the Christmas trees, we've got a hunter family up in uh, Mossy Rock, Washington. They have, we have beautiful Fraser firs from there and some excellent nobles and Nordmans. I've still corrected by uh, my friend Jane. And uh, then we also have some beautiful uh, Douglas firs that are in now and grand firs. So those are ones that weren't available that last weekend. And those are the most fragrant, especially the Grand First. Pretty amazing. We got a lot of trees and sizes from about four to about 10 feet. Uh, a few bigger ones, if you're looking for a real tall tree, at our, our lot at Bell Road in Scottsdale, we have some very large trees, 16 to 18 feet. Not, not a big selection left, but probably eight or 10 really nice trees left in the big sizes. Woodfield Nurseries have been growing trees here in the valley since 1946. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as State and Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And we do have a Christmas tree lot at 64th Street and Bell. For four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Next up, we've got Paul in Phoenix. After Paul, three open lines. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Hello, Paul. Hello, Brian. Brian, you know, you, you are a wealth of knowledge, and I enjoy listening to your show, and my, my wife thinks I'm crazy all the time, and I said, I'm going to call in one day, and I'm going to let Brian reprimand me and, and, and set me straight on some things. But, but well, first, he, I just want to... just threatened me out, you know, on, on the difference between norm and say, you know, we're all here to learn, you know? <laughs> well, no, but you know, what a, what a great story about the Christmas trees, because there was a, a funny story, real quick, before I t- ask you my watering question, a funny story. My wife threatened me when... The, when one of the last years we did buy a real tree and I left to go out with my boys. We'd go out and have an evening of adult beverage drinking. Okay. (laughs) And she threatened me. She said, this tree's dry. I'm going to take it back. And I said, Oh, we'll do it. Maybe tomorrow. Okay. Well, after an evening, I get home, pull into the driveway, and what do you think? There's a tree in my front yard. And I'm like, oh, the last thing I want to be doing, and I walk inside, she says, I took it back. I said, I could tell. And I had to, there it is at midnight, I'm taking the real tree inside the house. 
So lo and behold, that was that was my Christmas tree story. It was it was a, it was a great Christmas anyway. So you know it was that that was fun. That was fun. Hey but, Paul, let me reflect on your Christmas tree story for just one second. You know we used to yeah. have we and Jane each had about twenty lots around town, and we used to stay open at some lots to as late as ten thirty and eleven o'clock at night. And uh, I don't think you were the only ones with with a group of fellows out looking for that perfect tree that uh, <laughs> that didn't necessarily make it to a whole lot of lots. But our last lot open was always the one on Thomas and Forty uh, Fourth Street. Okay, and, yeah. And we would sit out there until almost the times when the bars closed, <laughs> and we would we would sell twenty five or thirty trees every night after ten o'clock. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, okay. So here, here's to the part of my question where you're going to reprimand me. I, I had a very nice gentleman who, um, he, he did my landscaping for me two years ago. Okay. Simple, lots of, lots of shrubs around the house, but you know, around the front yard, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he told me, he said, no, he said, water it, leave it on the timer, water every day. And I think the timer was set for an hour for the drip system. Okay. And you know, this summer I, I lost several, probably, I don't know, four or five, you know, plants, shrubs, the different lantanas and whatnot. And some of the shrubs that were closer to the house, because my house is, it faces north, closer to the house in the front yard, they, they did really well. They, they thrived. But some of the other ones that were really exposed to the sun, they, they didn't make it. So I'm thinking, okay, and my wife said, did you water too much or did you not water enough? I said, well, I'm watering every day. But then I'm hearing now that I, I think you've always said, or not, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but is it, should I water, cut, cut the water back and extend the time of the drip? Absolutely. And, and the reason why, Paul, is because our water, especially in the summertime, has a pretty high pH. And if you have a real small emitter in there, you know, you might be putting a half gallon of water or something like that on a day. It might be, you know, there's some really small gauged emitters. Okay, and, so and so like, you're adding this little bit of water, and every time you add in the water, you're adding salt. And when it gets hot, your plant's trying to pull as much water as it can, and it's just pulling it from this small area, and it's pulling up the salt. So while it's getting the water, it's getting the salt, and that's bad for the plant too. So what so you want to do with your irrigation system is uh, reprogram it, right? And you know, for most things, this time of year, weekly's fine. Okay, but to start off with, I would turn the system on and run it for five or six hours, maybe even more, and uh, leach all the salts away from your plants. Oh, and then go to a weekly irrigation, and then get some type of a probe. You know, we would use like at a farm a a piece of rebar welded like a T. We could push in the ground to make sure that you're getting like on the shrub. You want your water to be at least eighteen inches deep. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. So, so basically, make my timer run for once a week for four hours. Probably, but I can't tell you because I have no no idea what size emitters you have. Right. So you're right. gonna you have to find out what depth your water's going. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. You know, or what size emitters you can actually take the emitter out easier and put it into a quart jar. See how long it takes to fill it up. And you know, for most shrubs, as they mature, they're going to want uh, you know probably somewhere between two and four gallons of water at a time about once a week. Perfect. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, Brian. Merry Christmas to you! Thank you so much for for all your all your knowledge, and I, I, I it's, it's entertaining uh, for a Sunday morning. I really appreciate well, it. Well, thanks for reminding me of the uh, the old days in Christmas tree shopping because we, we used to sit down. No, not that we didn't drink a couple of beers sitting out there waiting for them to show up, but it. Uh, 
<laughs> it was really fun. Perhaps later in this, this show, we're going to run out of time here in a minute. I'll, I'll tell a story about our lot at 75th and Thomas, which I think was the greatest Christmas tree lot ever. But, Please do. Uh, I'll, I'll be listening. Thank you, sir. Take thanks, care Paul. now. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Tom up in Superior. Hi, Tom. Hey, how are you, Brian? Great, sir. Listen, whoever it's superior, I think it's about 3,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I plant beets uh, or flowers? Well, it depends on what you want to plant. If you want to plant like the spring wildflowers, you could go sow some seed right now and uh, water them a couple times. And if we get this rain pattern like it looks like we're going to have, you'll have some beautiful, uh, you know, you could do like the African daisies and poppies and those kind of things. And you can can just buy that? plant those from seed can right I now. Buy that? Can I buy that? Where are you at? We should have it, Tom. You know, you'd have to just, if you would check with the nursery just to make sure in Gilbert, um, you could pull it up on their internet. I'll give you the number. You can go back to the podcast and get it. But it's 480-892-2712. And uh, they, sh- they should have them. 480-892-2712. Got that. What about the beets? I mean, we're going to put a garden out here. And we're on a, we're on a big hill. Mm-hmm. What's your so, is it real rocky though, Tom, or not? Well, no, it's not really rocky. We're just on a major hill where I bought this house. Well, and, uh, for, for a spring garden, you know, most of that stuff you're going to plant. You should be able to plant beets right now and radishes and carrots. So I think you can get away with planting beets right now. Maybe even some turnips too. Um, yeah, and, beets, and all, turnips, and radishes. Yeah, that that those root crops. I think you can plant now without any problem. Even at 3,000 feet. It's going to make a big difference, Tom, where your land lies in the side of the hill. You know, if you're on a slope or up on the top of a knoll, it's going to be a lot warmer than if you're down in an arroyo. But I think you could get away no, with I'm, planting beets now. I'm north-south, Brian. North-south. Well, Backyard is south. Yours you want to you want to plant them in the south and uh, and go for it. I've got to let you go. We've got a hard break here with the news, Tom. But have a nice weekend. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ryan. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we've got some lines available at six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven.